Well, I want to say, brothers and sisters, I am happy to be with you today. We have already been richly blessed this morning. What a full morning, all right? Amen. Uh, to uh, share with our mothers, to, um, to enjoy Ross being with us. Um, but I want to tell you, God is going to, about to bless us with specifically two gifts right here in service. Are you ready? Now, I can tell you they're good gifts because I had them earlier in the week. I know some of y'all are really excited, right? Like, what in the world? Is there ice cream? It's better than ice cream. But the, the gifts that God is going to give us today, I've had all week and I've got to partake in them, so... I want to tell you it's good. I'm going to have you turn. It's not going to sound good at the beginning, but trust me, just hang on. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It'll be on the screen as well if you don't have your Bibles with you. Today's gifts for you and for me are twofold. Today... I believe that, the God, that God is going to offer you the gift of discernment, and he's also going to offer you the gift, an even better gift, of his presence. And if you could leave with those things, you'll be rich. Let's read the scriptures together. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. This is Jesus and his disciples and his entourage. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, can you imagine the sound in her voice? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Anybody recognize that tone of voice? Tell her then to help me. But then the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not, which will not be taken away from her. Mm. As we listen to the story of Mary and Martha, uh, Gosh, you got to feel for Martha, don't you? And you know, I, I, I picked this scripture in particular. Well, one, because you're going through Summerlin and out, and this is actually the week we're talking about divorce. So I said, like, well, maybe we won't do that on Mother's Day. <laughs> we'll save that to next week. So if you don't get the sermon right, then you're going to need to hear next week for sure. But to, to see that normal thing that I think uh, moms, women, especially, I think they bear even a greater burden than the men folk in here for this kind of situation. And I think that you will feel this maybe uh, deeper in your bones. Men, you, you'll get it for sure. But I think there's especially the kind of the social pressure that is present inside of this text will resonate with you. And I think it's going to be good news to you. Just consider the scenario. Martha who has prior knowledge of Jesus. This is Mary and Martha, sisters of Lazarus. And here comes Jesus knocking on the door. And there is no 
forewarning. It doesn't appear in this story. They just show up at the door and they're looking for a place to come and rest. And, but what does this mean? Jesus is with his disciples, all the other people as well. I think what, what is really happening in this moment, I mean, all of these people are about to come into our house. She is expected to care for all of them, she and her sister, to get things in order. What would that require? It would probably require her calling out to some servants or making arrangements in some way to go get firewood, uh, to go dr- to get a bunch of uh, water, to send somebody to the market, to figure out where the tables and chairs are going to go, to figure out how, asking the question, how long are they going to be here? Like, what am I, like, are they the kind of relatives that stay a little too long? You know what I mean? Like, and I, uh, I, I'm happy Jesus is here, you know, what an honor. But what are we going to do with these people? What is going to be expected of me? I, I'm going to do my best to help out here. I mean, even today, you're like, where, where are they going to put the donkeys? You know, are they going to lie them in the street so the Bethany male won't come? You know, are, are my neighbors up the street going to be upset because there's donkeys in the, in the, in the way again? You know, like what's... What is, there are so many things that must be rushing through her heart as she's trying to accommodate and do this good work to take care, to take care of the good rabbi. And think, like, it's the rabbi that everyone's talking about. He's at my house. We've got to, on short notice, I've got to be super chef, right? This has got to be good. I don't want to be one of his illustrations. You know what I mean? She wants it to be successful. She is answering in, that, in those brief moments. She is hearing what people will say about her and who she is because of this and also who she is not, like how she did not measure up. Are y'all, are y'all feeling that? There's a little, I can see in some of you ladies, like there's a little tension already in you. Like, I didn't come this morning. For more of this. <laughs> Meanwhile, her sister is sitting right there. And is she helping? No. In my household, this was a very bad sin for people to be working and you not. And she is not. She is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Who wouldn't want to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? But I don't have time for that because I'm taking care of Jesus and his people. And there you are, clueless, sitting with Jesus. But as we know in this story, poor Martha, she had forgotten who came to her house. Can you hear the internal argument? Of course. Of course you want to sit with Jesus. Honored place. Enjoy the company while I'm working. She's like that. How would you describe Martha? What kind of emotion would you describe of Martha? Anxious. Anxious. Troubled. Jesus says it. You're anxious and troubled. 
She was left alone to serve alone. Look how she responds to Jesus. He says, to, she says this to Jesus. She says, uh, now Martha's distracted and Lord, do you not care? Did you hear that? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Do you not care? So tell her then, tell her, Rabbi, creator of the universe, tell her to help me. Do you not know what's going on? Now, as we, we read through this, there is a part of us that says, come on, Martha, you missed the big picture. But a lot of us uh, in my heart is saying, did she? Like, the book of Ecclesiastes, I mean, couldn't she quote the book of Ecclesiastes? Like, there's a time to serve and there's a time to sit at Jesus' feet, Didn't, you know? This is a time to serve. This is not a time to do that later, sit at Jesus' feet later. How did she know that this was the right time to sit at Jesus' feet? Instead of appealing to Jesus and asking him that question, Amen. she went ahead with what she thought she ought to be doing does Jesus know what time it is? Jesus then corrects her. Has she really done anything wrong? And the answer is yes. She's done something wrong. How could she have known anything different? Well, she could have asked. She says, Jesus, instead of asking, she says, Jesus, tell her. Instead of saying, Jesus, help me. If she knew the Savior in his ways, she could have been resting in those moments. Because after all, she's trying to get help for making a meal for one who feeds 5,000. She is trying to make arrangements for one who arranged the world. He certainly knows. Today, there are two gifts of Jesus his presence, and his discernment. The book of James is very helpful in this. And the second story, we're going to look at two stories. We're going to look at the, we've heard the story at Bethany. We're going to go to the book of James for a minute and kind of decipher what's happening here. And then we're going to go back to the story um, that is the story of Peter and his disciples that Wendy read this morning. You did a fine job, by the way. Where are you, Wendy? You did a fine job this morning. And you're a good mom, too. Yeah. So today I'd like you to, to uh, look at James chapter 4 with me. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have... Because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive. Because you are asking wrongly and you spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
why do we have so much conflict between us, the book of James is saying. And even saying, why do we have so much conflict within us? He says, there, there is a trouble within your members, and it could be members as in people, the, the, the people around you. Why is there conflict between your, in, within your members? But it's also talking about, why is there so much conflict within your members? Your hands and your feet and your eyes, uh, yourself. Why are, you, why are you so anxious, right? And I don't know about you, but I've got full, uh, I'm full of this kind of angst and this anxiety. Why do we have this internal conflict? He says because of two things, your desires, and those desires are both character and quality. When he's talking about desires, he's talking about character and quality. Those desires, some of those desires, many of those desires are because you have misplaced misplaced affections. That you care for things not of God, or you care too much of some things. You, You have made them idols. Casey preached a great sermon last week about lust and adultery. And, and it's that same idea. You have taken those things that God has provided and they're glorious and you have, you have put too much emphasis on them. Or you have wanted things that are not your own. You have lusted. You have coveted for things that are not yours. And in doing so, now you're at war within yourself and you're at war with other people. Our desires are in conflict. The character, we have bad kinds of desires. Previously in the book of James it says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, we are oftentimes in disorder. Yes, Amen. Do you feel it inside of you? Yes, Think of Martha. She was, could be guilty of selfish ambition. What are people going to say? What are people not going to say? She could be, she could be guilty of jealousy, of coveting. Uh, what her sister was doing. I wish I could be doing that. But because I don't get to do that, you don't get to do that. She's out of order. Not only do our desires, are they evil in the beginning, but we put too much emphasis or we desire things that are not ours. We have not been thankful. Oftentimes, these qualities within us are because we are wrong. But There's another thing that's happening here. Our members are in conflict. It's many things. The quantity is the second thing. What troubles us is we have a quantity of things inside of us that are vying for our attention that we become overwhelmed with them. They're even good things. They don't have to be bad things. But because of the sheer nature of the qualities. I mean, think of our friend Martha. Maybe, maybe she had a good heart about all these things. It came from a good place. But because she had so many of these things fighting in, in her, she became out of order. She's sure acting out of order, isn't she? I, I can... It, You've experienced this. I mean, and this is Mother's Day 101 right here. Like this is, moms, what are you responsible for? 
And you're probably saying, everything, <laughs> right? And you, you women's minds don't work quite like ours. Like y'all are thinking about 17 different things at one time. Amen. Men folk in general, we can think about one thing. And sometimes we're so evolved that sometimes we can think about nothing at all. I mean, seriously, like, there's nothing going on up there. What a blessing. But not so for most of our ladies. Like, they got it all going on. And so they're juggling all of these things at one time. And oftentimes, they are great things. I need to take care of the kids and make sure they can make it to soccer practice. But also, I've got to make sure that there's some kind of dinner that we can feed them when they get home. But also, I'm wondering, like, uh, is our house too cold all the time? And, you know, there's just... They're cleaning the house. They're, they're also calling their friends and what part do I have in the life of the church and how I need to be serving and am I serving too much? And so all of these things that had the potential to be awesome and good and things that are expected of you and you begin to have all of these fighting inside of you and what happens? You become like Martha. We become like Martha. Not just the ladies. We become, we become like Martha. And we, instead of just doing those things, now we're agitated at everybody. Amen. And when mama's not happy, and so they're juggling all these things. And baby, why are you so upset? Maybe you could help me, right? Wouldn't be so upset. So it's not just like the quality of our desires that's wrong. But because we have so many desires to do things, and we're trying to accomplish those things, we become anxious. We have, our attitude is shot, we're short with everyone, but we have lost our joy. So isn't it amazing, we could actually accomplish all those things and still be wrong. Like if you were successful, which none of us are ever successful, but if you were able to get all those things done, but in the midst of it, you kill joy in your life. And you kill other people's joy. What were you doing? Right? Ugh. We're not operating out of love. We're operating out of duty. We're operating. In fact, we become, just like in the Sermon on the Mount, we, we write our own laws. We start making our own laws of what it should look like. And we become like the Pharisees and we follow those laws as opposed to what the lawgiver has said and wants from us. So this is the part you go, ugh, right? We're guilty. All of these competing desires fight within us. We take on more than we should. And the question for us is, is Jesus unaware of what's going on? No. Jesus, Jesus knows what's going on. Does Jesus not care? Those are sometimes we might say it, right? Does Jesus not care that I have all this to do and I can't get it done? Is Jesus not able to provide? Well, now, now we've gotten to it, hasn't it? Like, okay, I'm believing a lot of lies here. <laughs> like those, none of those are true. And when you come upset, Lord, I don't have enough. I don't have peace. I don't have joy. I'm worn out. Aren't I doing what's right? And the answer is no, you're not. 
oftentimes, brothers and sisters, it's easy for us to be busy. It is a way for us to distract from other important things. And when we have to stop and deal with those things, we are afraid. We allow busyness to distract us so we don't have to look very far. We'd rather have the approval of others because we're caring for them to make us feel like we're okay and that we're good. Our good activity actually becomes a substitute for actual goodness. Because we have forgotten who he is. The work is not central. The person must be. So now we we move back to uh, the story. Oh, no, we're not going to move back because there's something I want to share with you first. What do you do in those moments? What is James telling us to do in those moments? Well, earlier in in the book of James, he has told us that you have so many things going on, your, your attitudes are not right, what should you do? He said, if you, if you need wisdom, you should ask God. Because if you don't, you are constantly back and forth like someone who's in the midst of a storm. You are lost, you are afraid, you're wondering disaster is nearby. We have those feelings all the time. So you should ask. Here's your first gift, all right? Ask. Ask God. And, and I'll give you, here's a practical application of that. I would ask, I would suggest that you ask God to provide, to provide wisdom, and you would ask God to provide the thing, the provision that you need. And I, and I would suggest you do it in three different ways. One, I would suggest that you, uh, you take time and get away. Uh, especially you ladies, get away from everything, find a way. Uh, If there's a man in your life, help them get away. If there are children to take care of, help them get away and spend some devoted time, some Jesus in the mountain kind of time and say, all right, I'm going to stop for a second and I'm going to focus on, I'm going to do that thing that my soul is screeching, is screaming against me. Don't do it (laughs) because everything's going to fall apart. Don't do it. Because you're not going to like what you find there. Don't do it. But do it. All right? So ask. Go away. Seek God's wisdom. Lord, what in my life is too busy? What in my life is not the higher thing? What is not the better thing? Go to him. I would also suggest that you make this a part of your regular routine on a daily basis of saying, I'm going to devote time. I'm going to make I'm not going to give myself into busyness, as Thessalonians, First Thessalonians says, but I'm going to give myself uh, to devotion. And so you need to spend time daily, guys and gals in this regard, daily, and reorienting your life and finding out what is most important and asking, of all these things I have to do, what do I really have to do? And Lord, will you provide? Amen. And finally, you know when you're... Uh, when people are playing pokers, they have a tell. I mean, you can look at their face and they do something, you kind of go, oh, they're lying, you know? So if you study them well enough, you know what their tells are. Well, we have some tells too. And so when you, get, when you start feeling that anxiety 
welling up in you, as your blood pressure starts going, as the veins start popping out, as you speak sharply with people who had no business, they had no idea the sharpness was coming. Like the, let those be tells, like, oh, something's not right here. <laughs> Everyone else knows they're there. It's like, those are not like hard tells, like, oh, they're not doing well. When Winnie and I were first married, she'd often say, have you had a quiet time this morning? No, I have not. Thank you very much. Don't ask me that anymore. Why? Because my tells, like everybody knows, like you're, you're not well. See that in yourself. When you feel that pressure, you're like, I'm, I'm, I am starting to, my breath is short, right? My patience is short. My hope is short. My peace is short. Let that be a tell and stop and say, Lord, help me. Help me. I can't do this. You know how good that is? That was my gift this week. I said, Lord, I just can't, I can't do this. Help me. It's biblical. And as I did that, I found like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm speaking to the one who fed 5,000, right? Okay, okay. It's not just about this momentary situation. There's a bigger story. Oh, my hope is renewed. And Lord, help me in this thing. And it, it is amazing. Like God provided here and there out of nowhere, and you're kind of going, hmm, I wasn't expecting that, but I sure like it. Because he cares, Right? So in the midst of our business, of our, our Martha moments, stop for a minute and sit with Jesus and say, what would you like right now? Like, wouldn't it have been a what, Can you imagine if, if she had done that? What, what might Jesus have said? Hey, don't worry about it. Everybody's going to leave in five minutes anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have something else to do. Or he says, oh, go in your cupboard. Go look in there. Food's already been made. What? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Go look in there. Why? Because I'm the one who multiplies bread, right? Or just sit here and let somebody else figure it out. That's what I have for them. Just rest for a minute. What great stories Martha would have had if she stopped by Jesus first. Oh, I know. It's hard to do. And none of us want to be lazy. And some of us may be lazy. <laughs> so you, you might be, you know, wanting to go off and not be active. But I want to encourage you, find a healthy rhythm. Have, have these rhythms where you get away. Have a rhythm daily. Let your tells speak to your heart. Change your, change your attitude so you stop and you ask and see how he provides it. He'll give you wisdom. James says, if you ask with faith, he will give it to you. So ask for wisdom. Why not? Ask God to provide. Admit that you are weak. You just can't do it. Martha needed a big dose of that. Like, babe, you're not, you're not in charge of all that. I got this. That's nice to hear from him. I don't think he calls me babe, but you know what I mean. Finally, let me, let me take you back to another story, the story that Wendy was sharing today. And I'll, I'll close with this. So good. So we're in this time of Pentecost, season of Pentecost. And as we are in this time of Pentecost, it's, it's the time, as we talked about Easter, about Jesus is the resurrected Savior. And now we are learning what it means to be a resurrection people. And 
The disciples, when Jesus appears, have no idea what it means to be a resurrection people. So we're learning that, especially in this time of Pentecost. We're thinking about that. We're also anticipating this greater thing that God is going to do in us and through us and what work he might have. And so for, for Redeemer, we're spending, and many churches around the world, we're spending this time in prayer and planning what God will be doing. And we're looking for his great work that's bigger than you and I, you and I, uh, ability to do anything. Like uh, our collective intelligence, our collective strength, our collective finances are in no comparison to what God is going to do among us. That's what we do. That's what we're looking forward to. And that is this time of Pentecost. And then the Spirit comes at Pentecost. So we'll have a big celebration about that. But this story, the story of Peter and the disciples, is the one that happens on the third time that Jesus met with the disciples. He's already met with them in the room. They're beginning to have a, a taste of what it means to be resurrected people. And now this is the third time. And He's met with them. They're beginning to understand what the resurrection really means. His death and resurrection, how it affects all of their lives. They're just beginning to understand that. But now, on the third encounter, Jesus slips by everybody else, and he comes, and he is at the seashore, and they are out there working. They are going back to the old thing they did before, the old thing they did before, where they are fishing. This is the thing they knew to do. Like, this is a new time. Jesus is here. We're kingdom people. We're supposed to go change the world. Before that, like over here, we were kingdom people and we were going to reign in this new kingdom and we were going to hold places of government and it's, it's gonna, we were going to bring back Israel and it was going to be, well, when Jesus dies, that dream's out the door, right? But now he's resurrected. But... I do remember before the resurrection, I did deny him, <laughs> and I ran away. And Peter, bad news. Peter really screwed up. And now they hear Jesus wants them, loves them, care for them, resurrection people. And now they've gone back to fishing because they really don't know what to do. But Jesus is on the seashore. They're not catching anything. He calls out to them. Cast your nets on the other side. Like they've heard this before. The first time he called them, he said the same thing, and they cast their nets, and they caught a ton of fish. So they catch a ton of fish. They come back to shore. And then Jesus is on the shore who has no fishing net, and he's already cooked breakfast. And I bet you it was pretty good, too. Probably had some syrup, some biscuits, and... And so he feeds, he feeds the disciples, not with their catch, not with the miraculous catch he did through them, but he feeds them with his stuff, with his provision, with his nice little fire. Makes a nice little YouTube video of him cooking stuff, and it's just delicious. And so they are eating. And so as they come off the water, and they have these nets that are so full of fish, and Jesus says, Peter, just quickly... Which one do you love more? Me or these? And I believe he's talking about the fish, like his work. Which is more important to you? Which is going to bring you provision, hope, and joy? Whose kingdom? Are you going to be a fisher of men? Or are you just going to be a fisherman? And poor Peter, like he's in the middle of it here. He's got to be wondering... 
are you going to take me back? Are you going to let me be a part of, the, of this great thing that you promised when you called me the first time? So Jesus puts the question to him, do you love me more than you love these? And he says, of course I do. He said, well, feed my sheep, calling them back to mission. Then he asks him again, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Yeah, okay, I get it. You know, Peter, this is the third time, Jesus, you're asking me. I know what you're saying. Like, I denied you three times, and now this. Feed my sheep. Lord, you know all things. Then Jesus has to feed my sheep. You are accepted. You are loved. Just as you did the most unthinkable thing to me, I'm saying I love you. Come, have a meal with me. I'm going to provide for you. And I'm calling you back. I'm calling you back. You failed. I know you failed. But that is not on you. I am with you. And he calls Peter. And then he calls John. He talks to both these guys very intimately about their next roles in the kingdom. So people of God, I think... Our first gift is this gift of discernment. I'm praying that for you and me. Like, we get this gift of discernment. We can stop and we can say, Lord, show me the way. Lord, help, provide for me. So, there you go. We won't let the kids pass them out. You just got it, okay? Let's take it with you. The second one is to seek his presence. In our new members class, we talk about the difference between religion and the gospel. The religion is us, ask, religion says, ask God in order to get something. And in the gospel, we get God. That's the good news. That's the good stuff. So many of us need to stop being busy and address the things that are broken with God. And it's scary. You got to do it. Because that's where the healing will happen. We also need to daily re- see these tells in ourselves and immediately go to him. Because in those moments, we have that presence with God. And it's delightful. He gives himself to us. What do you love more? The work or Jesus? The work is not central. The person must be. Finally, I want to say this real quickly. I believe there are people in this room who have heard the call the first time, and at some point in your life you said, I'll follow after Jesus. But you've gotten lost. You've gotten busy with all kinds of other things. And you still claim Jesus, but you don't really know how you stand with him. And in many ways you denied him along the way. And you're wondering, I don't, I don't know if he wants me back. I don't know that I could be any good to him. I don't know. I don't know what my next steps with him. And today I want you to hear the second calling. He's calling you again. Come and follow me. Because I love you. He's saying, I'm going to provide for you. And you're going to be a part of this great work that I have for this world. So here is calling. Look for his provision. And go with him.
as a new resurrected people. Amen.